For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. What's up, and welcome back to another episode of Believe in FSU Football. This time it is the UMass Preview Edition. The Knolls take on the UMass Minutemen at Doe Campbell Stadium on Saturday, October 23rd. Game will be at noon on supposed to be mid-80s, mid to low-80s and sunny at Doke. Homecoming weekend. Uh, FSU is favored by 35 and a half. We got the noon kicks they could put on ACC Network. That kind of sucks. But it's whatever. Just We just need to show up and win. I mean, UMass is one of the worst teams in the FBS. Although they are coming off of a 27-13 to 13 win over UConn. And they also had a bye week last week, same as FSU did. So UMass winning a game. Uh, Walt Bell, their head coach, former FSU offensive coordinator, came from Maryland to FSU and was here for Willie Taggart's first year. I said when Walt, Walt Bell got hired that he would be a head coach within the next like five years. And I was right, but he took what's probably like the worst job in the FBS and has been garbage since he got there. No offense to Walt Bell. I think he's a pretty good offensive mind, and he seems like a decent dude. I would have liked to see him in FSU with a more stable environment around him. Um, I do think he's a capable coach, but that's just a really tough job to turn around, and UMass has just not been very good. They don't have a lot to work with. They don't have a ton in terms of resources for their program. They're in a not-at-all-fertile-recruiting ground. Um, there's just a lot of things working against UMass. It's not like it's a football school. It was kind of a head-scratching move when they got added to the FBS in the first place, and they've not changed any doubters to this point. They are perennially one of the worst teams in the FBS. So, you know, tough draw there. But Walt Bell's Minutemen coming off of a win their first of the year. UMass is bad. They're one in five. Just they're not good. They get blown out like most of the time. I think their closest game, they put up 28 at BC, but like they got routed by Coastal Carolina 53-3. So not a super talented team we're talking about here. Um, like I said, F- FSU's favored by 35.5, and, and the over-under is 59.5. So they're expecting FSU to win by, you know, good deal. UMass, I, I don't know how much they're expecting them to put up, maybe like, Two touchdowns, 
that still might be pretty generous for the Minutemen. I think they probably score them, put it like 10 points. FSU needs to come out and dominate this game, though. Um, they can't be caught looking ahead to Clemson. I know that's a big rivalry, and Clemson hasn't been a convincingly good team this year. They're playing Pitt this weekend. Pitt's very good. Other than Pitt's what looks to be like aberration loss to Western Michigan, they've been really good this year. And that's Pitt's only loss. Clemson struggled. They beat Syracuse by three the last time out at Syracuse. That's going to be a big game for FSU, but got to keep the focus on where we're at right now and make sure that we play well enough to beat UMass. This is very, very much a beatable team. And, you know, flashbacks to the Jacksonville State thing and people are like, oh, we lose to the high school team. What's the Jacksonville State the high school team? Jacksonville State's a very good program. They're probably a program that's in better shape than UMass is. Jacksonville State was an FCS semifinalist last year. Their quarterback's a Clemson transfer. They came in last year and gave us problems as well. It's not like they're you know, a chump of a team. They're they're not a cupcake just because they're an FCS. Like, they're a solid program. FSU is far from the only team to lose to an FCS school in both the FBS and the Power Five. I think the transfer portal has leveled the playing field in terms of talent a lot across college football. And I think we're kind of seeing that because there's so much parity. You see teams like, you know, Georgia and uh, Alabama, obviously Alabama lost to A&M, but they're still a really good team. Georgia pulling away. You see teams like Ohio State, teams that have been able to utilize the transfer portal to add to an already impressive group of talent that they have, and you've seen those teams, again, re-solidify themselves as some of the best in the country. But below that, you've seen a lot of people kind of even out and like, look at Clemson. Dabo Sweeney, for whatever reason, refuses to use the transfer portal like it's some sort of you know, moral criminalization to go get a kid who's transferring. But Clemson's struggling, and the rest of the ACC looks like they're getting better. Just, you know, it makes you think a little bit. Other coaches coaches have been very eager to use a transfer portal, FSU especially. It's kind of like free agency. You get to add already very good players to your team who have experience playing at college, either high-level college ball or high-level or are good players, talented kids that maybe just haven't gotten the right opportunity to shine wherever they were at or maybe just guys who need a change of scenery, just, you know, any number of things. Sometimes these guys just want to come back closer to home. We saw, like, Jay Sean Corbin just wanted to come back closer to home. Those or, you know, adding those types of players to your program is not going to do anything but help you. And, like, FSU's been aggressive adding walk-ons from transfers um, on the back end. That stuff helps make you deeper. It makes your team deeper. It makes, you know, a lot of times that stuff shows up on special teams or when attrition starts to set, a, set in and, you know, guys get injured. But makes your team deeper, makes your whole team better on every level, you know, practicing, you go up against the practice squad and you have better players on there, it's going to make the guys that play every down on Saturday better as well. So just 
went on a little aside there, but some thoughts about the transfer portal and how it's affected college football this year. And personally, I think it's a positive. I like to see guys get a chance to play. It's kind of screwed up high school recruiting and, and JUCO recruiting, and I feel bad for those guys. But as a college football fan, I like it personally, and it's been very beneficial to FSU, and I imagine it will continue to be so. I don't think that Norvell is going to shy away from using the transfer portal because he's already utilized it a lot already. And I'm sure you'll see him, especially if FSU gets back to the point where we're winning games and we may be a contending program, you know, the next two to three years. I think that's very possible. When we get back to that point, it's going to be attractive for guys from, you know, either like group of five programs or maybe smaller power fives or guys who are from Florida that went away, maybe want to come back or very talented players. I'm like, you know, you see Jameson Williams on Alabama transfer from Ohio State because he couldn't crack their rotation or couldn't get enough touches at Ohio State and their wide receiver core and goes to Alabama. He's probably the best receiver at Alabama, maybe in the SEC, and is one of the top ones in the country. He's a big-time deep threat. So, you know, FSU gets back to that point where really talented players who maybe don't get a chance to crack the lineup right away at a really good program, who maybe is just a really deep position group can come in and FSU becomes more of an attractive option. So I expect the transfer portal to continue to be a very big factor in college football. And I think it helps level the playing field and makes college football as a whole more competitive. I think that's better for everybody, players, fans, college football in general, revenue streams, TV, not just better games make everything better for everyone. It's just, I think it's more enjoyable. It's more fun to watch when things are more competitive more even when anybody can lose any given Saturday. Like, that's that's fun. Um, and plus, the NFL kind of has that feel, but college football atmospheres are way more fun and kind of more chaotic, which is cool. College football over NFL football all day. Like, I like NFL football with college football is so much more fun. College football in the South is just different. It really is. Back to the game. I'm sorry. Went off on a rant there. I love college football. Enjoyed doing this, talking about FSU. FSU coming off of a bye week. Like I said, don't get caught looking ahead to Clemson. Um, FSU is actually looking to win three straight for the first time since 2017 when we beat UF at UF, ULM in a rescheduled cancel game because of a hurricane and then beat Southern Miss and the walk-ons Independence Bowl in Shreveport. And sure, FSU fans will remember that is the time Jimbo Fisher coached against UF, then left. Then we had the scheduled makeup game, and Coach Odell Hagens was named the interim. He coached against ULM. And then in the walk-ons bowl against Southern Miss, where James Blackman threw four touchdowns. Uh, I went to that game. It was freezing cold. The wind chill was awful. I thought that my hands were going to go numb. And Shreveport is a, not a place I'd ever like to go again. Um, Mississippi River is brown. I learned that when I went to Shreveport. It was the first time I'd ever seen Mississippi River. So, yeah, I, that's that's the last time we won three games in the middle of the turmoil that 
kind of started the downswing in the pendulum of FSU's program, so that's fun. Nice memories to rehash here on the Believe in FSU Football podcast. Uh, But three straight wins, that'd be cool. That's a good thing. That would be a good thing for Norvell and company and the Knowles. Get back to three and four. Getting closer to 500, you know, getting momentum, getting healthier, going in to play Clemson and look at me I'm getting ahead getting excited about next week but don't do what I'm doing uh (laughs) focus focus on it on UMass FSU just needs to run the football like I, I talked about for a while how we need to find an identity and I thought that it was in the run game that's where we could excel that that was our identity that we could run the ball and be physical and dominate teams there especially on the backs of uh, Corbin and Ward and and, Jason and Jordan Travis is a nice addition to that as well. Talked about how good um, Ward and Corbin have been. Um, Jason Corbin's a really explosive guy. We've seen him with the big plays, and even when he's not breaking those off, he's still like a five-plus yards per carry guy. He runs tough. He runs physical. He's, really more, he's more of a downhill, one-cut type runner. Whereas Trayshawn Ward is, you know, much shiftier. He has really good change of direction, does a good job, has good vision, does a good job finding the hole, squeezing through, making things happen. Uh, We've seen him run tough, that big third down conversion against UNC where it looked like he was going to be stopped. He's, you know, made something out of nothing. He's a really fun guy to watch. Uh, Pro Football Focus has him graded as the top running back in the country. We talked about that in the last one. Um He's been really good. He's been really fun to watch. It's, we've we've got a fun, exciting backfield, especially in the run game. You know, Jordan Travis. We saw him against UNC with the big thirty yard, thirty five yard touchdown run. Um, the things that he can do, the way that he can create with his legs, uh, using the RPO game to kind of keep defenses off balance, not really allowing them to get a read for what we're doing. We didn't throw a ton of screens against UNC. I really like that. I hope we carry that over. I hope that we're downhill and physical in the run game. We allow Corbin and Ward to really get their yards and just dominate UMass physically. We should have better players on the offensive line than they do on the defensive line. We should be able to push, and we should be able to run the ball consistently. Um, Not super concerned about Travis getting in a rhythm early. I think if we give him RPO looks and just allow him to have options, whether it be run or pass, or handoff. I getting the ball in his hands I think is very important, but he doesn't need to throw a lot of passes in order to do well in the passing game. We saw that against UNC he doesn't have to be a high volume guy. And personally I think that his best games are when he's not asked to throw the ball a lot and he gets to create with his legs a little more, whether it be design run or scrambles on pass plays. But when he doesn't have to throw the ball a lot he can use those RPO looks, which are a little similar, and also we can throw the ball downfield off the play-action pass. We saw that. Um, allowing Jordan to get outside the pocket and use his legs to create both downfield in the passing game as well as in the run game I think will be important. But all the hype that the coaching staff kind of talked about him during the offseason, starting to see a little bit more of that. And I think that this is a game where he can really take a step forward and solidify him self as 
the guy and a titular difference maker on this team. You know, we go well when he goes well, but he's still kind of searching for that consistency. I think coming off of a couple wins, he's played well, played really, really well against UNC. It's probably one of the best games he's ever played. You know, build off that. You're coming in against an opponent that's not very good. Um, they give up 254.2 pass yards a game. Also, they give up 226.5 run yards a game. So, like, back to the running the ball thing and establishing our identity and being physical in the run game, we should be able to run it down right mass, right down UMass's throats. Like, we should be able to dominate the run game. Uh, we run for 207.8 a game. And they're giving up like a, just a twenty six and a half, two twenty six and a half. So no excuse for us not to win in the run game. You know we should run the ball, stop the run, rush the passer. That's the formula that's worked for us when we've played well this season. Jermaine Johnson off the edge obviously is that dude. He is like that. Jermaine Johnson is that guy. You need to compensate for eleven. And if he starts to get double teamed and chipped, that might free up other guys to do things or at least take people out of passing routes. You know, if running backs or tight ends have to stay in and, and help with Jermaine, and hopefully that can give one-on-one opportunities to other pass rushers, whether it be Keir Thomas, to Deer, uh, Derek McClendon, uh, Jared Jackson, um, I think will be back this game. Fabian Lovett. Um, be interesting to see how the defensive line rotation goes with Briggs out. Jared Jackson missed the last game against UNC. But Fabian Lovett's played really, really well inside. Not just a space eater in the run game. He's really physical and athletic, uses his hands well. Um, he's a really good defensive tackle. And Kier Thomas has come on strong last couple of games as well. He seems to be a leader on that defense. Um, seems to be a vocal guy. Nice to always want, you know, Energizer Bunny, which actually that's what they've called Jaleel McCray. Uh, he's been really, really good this year, him and Amari Gaynor. Surprised we haven't seen more of Steven Dix, but, you know, hopefully he'll kind of work himself in. He's more of a traditional first and second down linebacker, and we've played a lot of, like, four-two-five this year. Um, we play with a, a slot corner, like, most of the time. So, and even McCray and Gainer are both, you know, smaller, faster linebackers. So, just different styles of football and the way that people like to spread you out. It's hard to play with three linebackers sometimes. Um, speaking of that slot corner, Kevin Knowles is now the starter at slot corner. And man, has he been good since he's taken over. He is first in the ACC for the lowest yards allowed per route run for snaps and coverage is 0.53. First in the ACC as a true freshman. He's got that nickel spot on lock now. Uh, we saw Jarvis Brownlee and Jerry and Jones play really well against UNC. I hope that continues. I like both those guys. I, I hope to see them play well. Um, Jarvis is physical on the outside. He's not afraid to come up and make a play in the run game. Um, Jerrion's long, lengthy, has you know all the tools that you look for in a prototypical corner. And then at safety, Jamie Robinson and Sidney Williams both played well. They're both very active in the run game. They 
do a good job coming downhill, making tackles, helping run support, and also cleaning up on the back end. Uh, those two guys starting at safety I think is a good combo for us. They led us in tackle the last two games, so having a couple safeties who are really, really active all game long and you know, cleaning up in the back end and making plays in the run game is good tone setters to have at the top of your defense, guys who come down and make an impact consistently. But back to kind of the keys of the game for FSU to make sure that we get this victory, and we should very well dominate. This should not be close. This should not be scary at any point. This, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if FSU does something like comes out and like gives up a touchdown on the first drive to UMass and then ties it up and then kind of eases out from there. You know, it might be close early. I'm sure UMass is going to come ready to play, but it's this is our homecoming game. This is what should be an actual cupcake team, a cupcake game. We should blow them out, beat the brakes off them, Knowles by 90, however you want to say it. Don't care, don't matter. This needs to be a blowout. Like, we need to establish ourselves and get back to that point. We're not going to be a good program if we can't beat up on the teams that we're supposed to. So we need to go out there and get that done this week. I think that's really important for us kind of hitting our stride and getting that confidence up, not just winning. You know, we we want a close game, and we kind of want to get comfortably. And so now we blow out the team that we're supposed to blow out, and then we go in and we, you know, work on Clemson and turn our focus, go into that big rivalry game on the road. But keys to the game, continue to be disciplined. We've done a really good job not making a lot of penalties um, and also not turning the ball over. Like, those are two big things to win win football games. Don't turn over the ball. You know, on the ball, less possessions, you get less possessions, you give the other team less chances they have to score. And plus, it doesn't force you to create turnovers as much. And also not losing yards and penalties. We've been, you know, we struggled with that first couple games of the season, but we've done a really good job to clean it up lately. We've been way more disciplined. Love to see that. It's a sign of a good football program, you know, more cohesive top to bottom structure. Like guys are not making dumb mistakes, mental errors, not making penalties. Like just like you love to see that development, especially when it's been such a stark contrast during the season. Run the ball. Jordan Travis is great with the ball in his hands, especially in the run game. He's so good in space. He has really good change of direction. Um, he's faster, I think, than people realize. Talked about Ward. I talked about Corbin. They're both studs. Let's run the ball. Force UMass to stop us in the run. You know, we can throw the ball off the play-action pass. We can throw in the ball in RPO looks. And you screen, stack receivers, you know, do those things that can – Dillingham likes to do, but let's just run the ball. Establish the run. Run the ball down their throats. Let Corbin, let Travis, let Ward toad the rock and make stuff happen because when we do that, normally goes pretty well. UMass is not a good run defense. We should be able to do that hopefully with ease. You know, Talking about the talent disparity, we should be able to dominate the run game. That's where that should show up. Um, and just we, we've – I feel like we've come really far on defense. I think we do a good job stopping the run. We've generated more pass rush. The back end has started to come along. Just, you know, stick to the plan. UMass is not super talented on offense. They only put up 16.7 points per game. So, 
It's not a good team. They allow 41 and a half a game, and they put up 16. So anything more than two, two to three scores is not good for FSU. And if we're not scoring, you know, five, six touchdowns, I think that's like the low end, you know. 17 points would probably be the, should be the high end for UMass. And, you know, like worst case scenario, we should be looking like a 35-17 game. But more realistically, it should be like a 56 to 10. It should be a laugher. We should run away with it. It's homecoming weekend. You know, we should come out turned up, ready to go. Don't care that it's in, I do care that it's a noon game. That's a lie. Sucks that it's a noon game. Doesn't matter. Get out, get after it. It's going to be a gorgeous day in Tallahassee. I'm excited. I'm going to be at the game, probably half asleep for the first quarter. But, hey, that's what happens when you work nights and FSU gets the noon draw against UMass so they can put on ACC Network. You know how it goes. With that said, as always, it's been a pleasure talking to you. It's Robbie Vagnardi for Believe in FSU Football Podcast. Don't forget to follow or subscribe or whatever synonym you would like to use to keep up with the podcast and latest episodes. Peace out, and go Knowles. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.